0: Hey everyone, Josh here. Uh, Before we get into the episode, I just wanted to let you know that we had a bit of a noise issue with one of our mics. I think it was mine, and it was, you know, probably my fault. So I just wanted to apologize for the static uh, that you might hear in the background of this episode. But I'm only in half of this episode, so there's a bright side to everything, right? Enjoy. You're listening to the Screeners Podcast Network.
1: From the big screen to the small screen, and everything in between, this is the Screeners Podcast, where all media is appreciated, but none is safe.
0: Hi everyone, and welcome back to the Screeners Podcast. I'm Josh. This is Chad. And I'm Daniel. And we are back to talk all things media, or at least a small portion of media. On this episode, we'll be talking about the best ads, trailers, what have you, from the big football game that recently happened that we're legally not allowed to name, much like Voldemort or those things in the village. Uh, We'll be doing that, and we will be doing a review of Netflix's new movie, The Cloverfield Paradox. So without any further ado, let's jump right into this bonus episode. You're listening to the Screeners Podcast. So Sunday night, some of us watch the game, some of us watch part of the game, but we all definitely watch the ads, right? right? Of course. Oh yeah. That's essentially what we were doing what we were there for, what I was there for at least. Uh, we put our three-year-old to bed and we had DVR'd the game because the game started during dinner time, and we literally fast-forwarded through the football and watched the ads, which is a complete inversion of how we normally watch television. I guess let's start off this discussion with a talk about all the trailers that happened during the, during the game. So we had some superhero trailers and we had some Dinosaur classic trailers. What were you guys' favorite ones? Uh let's start with you, Chad.
2: Well, I think uh, in the first quarter, I think right after the very first commercial break, we finally got a look at Solo a Star Wars story. And I think that was frustrating not having a trailer where this movie debuts I think in May and so a lot of people were excited to see what would Ron Howard do with this. The trailer came out, the teaser, and we don't get a lot of information about the story, but the visuals look great, and every t- having just finished this, my second full viewing of Donald Glover's Atlanta, everything that guy is in I love, so just seeing him in the trailer made me excited. I, I like the solo trailer, honestly, just because I think that this is the further away that we can get from the canon trilogy i think the better that we are even though we're still tied in with with han solo i don't know anything about this main character how he's going to portray han solo how that's going to work but i think visually it looks great and so i like that one I, I got excited for that it's not my favorite trailer but for that one that one really stood out for me just just right away
0: okay so one vote for solo uh, how about you daniel you didn't even when you. I think you were the one who posted the screeners article or post on Facebook for the trailers, and you yes. did not even mention Solo. So I'm just going to go ahead and guess. That's did I not, not on the top of your list?
1: Did I really not? If I didn't, then that was <laughs> then that was a, a huge mistake. Because I think no.
0: someone brought it up in the comments. I think Britain did, but
1: oh wow, yeah. Then that was just a complete oversight because that was the best trailer of the Super Bowl. No question. I echo. Everything that Chad said. We've talked about that movie quite a lot on this podcast because of the whole ordeal it went through last year, changing directors. But I got to be honest, this is the most excited I've been for a Ron Howard movie in a very long time. I think most excited anybody's been for a Ron Howard movie, maybe ever. Man, it looks really beautiful. That was the thing that I took away most from this trailer is how awesome it looks, Um It looks really great, the the imagery. You're right, we don't know anything about the story, so it's still up in the air. I'm still kind of opposed to a Han Solo movie just in that I don't want it to screw up what we think about the Han Solo character, you know? Uh, I don't want everything about his backstory explained, so I have no idea. The trailer didn't enlighten any of that, but it was a a good trailer. It did exactly what it needed to do because it, it, it heightened my excitement for the movie so yes solo was the best now i will say there was one better trailer we're, we're we're kind of being coy about it and not talking about it very much but there's no question that the the trailer that caused the most conversation and stir of the evening was for the cloverfield paradox but we're going to review that later so we're not going to talk about it too much here
0: all right so a vote for solo and a vote for things that we can't talk about yet <laughs>
2: Yeah. Well, but, let me say this too. I think as, as I've talked about a lot and you guys are sick of hearing me talk about it, living the trailer free life is I really <laughs> live it. I live a trailer blended life because I'm willing to watch
0: You're trailer curious.
2: I'm trailer curious. I am trailer curious because I think the solo trailer, the teaser is a perfect teaser. I don't know anything about the story. As yeah. far as I can tell, they didn't give away any major plot points or or big moments, and so now that I've seen that, I'm good to go. I don't need to see anything else until I until I get to the movie because there is I had somebody on Twitter message me talking about this, and they brought up a good point: is everybody is not like us that sees all the movies, and so you can't just go hardcore no trailer because then you don't discover new movies that you don't yeah. know anything about, and so I do think there's a necessity. I just wish more people would employ this kind of tactic and do teasers this way because it I, I think it's exactly all it's all you need it's all you need
1: well t- you know to to argue your counterpoint you already know enough about solo so all you need is beautiful images you know what I mean um, if yeah. this was a if this was an original film and all you had is beautiful images you would be like okay you'd be you'd be more hesitant I think. You know, uh, is that fair to say? Yeah,
0: I don't think you can use teasers for discovery. Right. Right. Exactly. Oh,
2: absolutely, you can. A Perfect example is Interstellar. So when the Interstellar teaser uh, came out, yeah, I didn't know anything. I didn't know anything about Interstellar. All I knew is that Christopher Nolan directed it, that's and it the showed thing. a rocket going into the air. But he's a franchise. And I'm in.
1: Christopher Nolan's a franchise. You know. Christopher Nolan, you know you're in good hands. It's kind of the same thing. You you know it's Star Wars, you and you like the images so you're in good hands. I'm talking, you know, if this is a, a, just an original movie, you know nothing about it, no don't know the filmmaker uh you know all you have is maybe a, a, some cast members you know yeah still but we more don't get hesitant. those
2: kinds of movies anymore unless true. it's october or November that is true or December, maybe i'm dreaming so. it's fair it's fair i'm just saying i'm getting a lot of people that have been on socials have been at me like how do i do the trailer life and i don't know because i feel like i'm betraying myself because i love trailers <laughs> so much all of the oscar movies this 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 season i don't think i saw any of those trailers but I knew they were Oscar contenders. So, yeah, I don't know what the answer is to that, people. I'm sorry. Just uh, be true to yourself.
0: Just wait till the nominations come out and just go to the theater then. I mean, to answer their questions, they could just, you know, listen to the screener's podcast and just go. Do, do what That's we true. do.
2: That is true. I can tell you, though, Josh, even though you didn't ask it, but I'm going to tell you anyway because I thought it was funny. What my one of my observations about maybe my least favorite trailer is uh, Jurassic World 2. Is it Fallen Kingdom? Is that what it's called? Yes. So, My son is only five, he's not not quite six, but he played the Lego version of Jurassic World, maybe, uh, who knows how many times through, so that he knew the story beats of Jurassic World. And it just so happened that one day he came home after I had just bought the Blu-ray of Jurassic World and I was watching it. And, of course, I stopped it because he's not old enough to watch that. But he really wanted to see it and cried and cried. So my wife and I talked for about a week trying to decide if we should let him watch it. And we finally agreed we would let him watch it and we'd skip over some of the more intense parts. Well, that actually proved to be successful. Uh, He loved it. And there were a couple of times where he got a little scared, but he didn't want us to turn it off. And so I thought he would be thrilled with Jurassic World 2 trailer. So it came on. And we paused it because we DVR'd it and said, Cole, come look at this Jurassic Jurassic World 2. And we watched it. And honestly, he was just kind of like, "Uh, okay. But then the Jeep Jeff Goldblum trailer came on with the the T-Rex chasing him. And he lost his mind. He thought it was the greatest thing he had ever seen. (laughs) And so I just thought that was interesting because the more and more that I see of Jurassic World 2, the more I'm convinced it's going to be awful. Yeah. But I hope it's not because I like that director. But I did think that it was interesting that even my five-year-old can tell the difference in something that's not good, even though it had way more dinosaurs in it.
1: I am very curious to hear what trailers Josh loved from the Super Bowl.
0: I was just about to say, I'm just really glad you guys have spent this long talking because <laughs> you can just go ahead and have my time slot. Trailers during the Super Bowl especially, but it, I guess this year took it to a whole new level, all these trailers represent an enormous amount of fatigue for me. We have an Avengers trailer, we have a Jurassic World trailer, we have Mission Impossible 18, we have cloverfield which is only three but still you know whatever i'm gonna have to go ahead and just say that the tv trailers were the best um westworld season two being on top of that and then castle rock the new hulu series at least got me interested in checking it out but outside of that the, the trailers were all they all have great production value they're all impeccable and all that i'm just tired of all these franchises there's so many of them and they've gone on for so long and especially like you said Jurassic World does not seem like it's going to be much of a movie
2: Um, I'm with you on Hulu though I I single handedly the the Castle Rock trailer single handedly stopped me from canceling my uh, subscription last night because I had like I said I I had just used it to watch Atlanta again and was getting ready to cancel it because there was nothing else on there I wanted to see at this moment then I saw that and said okay i guess i'll keep it they probably
0: don't want want me to advise you to do this but you can put it on hold for three months and not pay for it for three months until castle rock comes out i forget when the release date is for that
1: yeah castle rock looks really awesome i'm not i'm not entirely sure if it's an anthology series or not uh i think it is i think it's like black mirror i think every
0: episode is different but i i could be wrong on that but uh, i'm looking forward to our black mirror episode coming up yeah, I me mean, too. Yes. Well,
2: someone who has read everything that Stephen King's ever written, the Castle Rock universe, quote unquote, the town, the whole thing surrounding that, certainly would support an anthology series quite easily. So I hope it is. I hope it oh, is. Oh, wait a, a second.
0: This is Stephen King. Oh yep. here we go. Yep. <laughs> Josh, no, just forget everything that I said. It's not. I'm just, gonna pretend I did not hear that. <laughs> there I'm you just go. gonna watch it. It
1: looks fantastic.
0: Although now now that you said that, now that you said Castle Rock being a, a town and a thing, now I wanna see a Welcome to Night Vale uh, anthology series. <laughs> yep. Okay, so can we move on to the commercials? The fun stuff?
2: Well I think I think before we do that we should talk a little bit about the Cloverfield paradox
0: i'm sure we should okay you do you do that
2: well i mean we're going to review it later daniel and i are going to review it later so we don't have to get too deep into it but i'm curious from your perspective josh take what you thought about the trailer itself out of it were you shocked at all about how that went down that a a named or numbered sequel to a well not numbered but a, a named sequel to a huge theatrical franchise would launch at the super bowl and then be available to watch right after it's over
0: I thought it was an interesting move, but also a strange move. Like, I can kind of get a serial network show doing a big episode like NBC did with This Is Us or whatever it was they did. Um, I I get like a half hour, hour, you stay up and you watch the next thing after the Super Bowl, but a feature-length movie to be like, all right, we're going to release it now at 10 o'clock or whatever it was on a Sunday night. I know it's Netflix, you watch it any time, but it just seemed like a strange strange strategy like sure air the trailer and release it whenever but it it the implication is that you should watch this after the super bowl and that just seemed strange to me did did it seem come off weird to anyone else i know daniel thought it was the most amazing marketing move ever i sure did oh i
2: i agree with daniel it's just it's mind-blowing that we live in a day where you can the entire world can be still shocked with a release like this and that Netflix can be as disruptive because it is disruptive to release a film outside of the studio system like this even though they partner with Paramount to do it I think it's I think it's brilliant I know my Twitter feed and my Facebook feed were just loaded with Cloverfield 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 had they just done a trailer for coming to you in March it would not have had that same impact I don't think
1: that's the thing. I think it uh, generated far more conversation than any other trailer, even more than Solo, which is, of course, going to be way bigger of a movie. We weren't just talking about the movie. We were talking about that we were going to watch this movie that none of us had ever I- even heard of, and we can watch it tonight. Um, it was just very disruptive and and uh, captivating. It was just really great marketing, which is something we have never, ever said about Netflix. I was so, just going to uh, say... Exactly. So, you know, uh, I think it was a very smart move. We're we're, we're going to talk more about that when we get into our review of Cloverfield Paradox. But, uh, yes, I, I think I think it was very, very smart.
0: So are you guys going to come clean now or are you going to wait till later to say whether you actually stayed up and watched it last night or whether you watched it today? Since we're well, recording this the day night. after the Super Bowl.
2: I'm, I watched it last night. I'm to go to bed at like 2.
1: I'm on Pacific time. So I watched oh, yeah. it. And you went don't bed. count. Went to bed at like nine thirty, so. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that West Coast life.
0: <laughs> yeah, I didn't watch it,
2: and. Hey, Josh, let me let me save you some yeah, time. Yeah. Don't. Okay. You won't <laughs> like spoilers, it. Well, spoiler Chad. alert! No, 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 he won't like it. I'm talking about Josh. Yeah, I know Josh fair. well enough to know what he's gonna like. He, he didn't will like Ten like Cloverfield like Lane. Minute. That is true. That's what I'm saying. Ugh, Josh, Clover, I'd go, Clover, go back Ro- and no, watch know.
0: Know. the first one, but also no. How oh, dare yeah. you? Yeah. I um, think
2: Lane is a masterpiece. It is.
0: No, uh, we won't,
2: Hitch, we won't it's re-litigate Hitchcockian, this. It's Hitchcockian. What's wrong with you, Josh?
0: <laughs> Say Hitchcockian again.
2: Hitchcockian. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Commercials, please. Commercials. Anyone? Commercials. My favorite commercials. Um
1: honestly i i was more into the trailers this year than i was the funny commercials uh but there were a few that, that i i enjoyed the doritos mountain dew one with peter dinklage and morgan freeman was just dumb and uh funny and and it, it perfectly on brand for them so uh, you know i thought that was good i thought it was funny made me want to eat doritos so i guess that's it did a job <laughs> Uh, and then the the red Eminem turning into Danny DeVito was great. I thought that was hilarious, and him pestering people on the street it was that was really good. But then I think the smartest ad, uh, outside of Cloverfield Paradox, of course, the the smartest commercial of the night was the the Tide ad commercial uh, with David Harbour because it was it was. Pretty funny, not like laugh out loud funny, but just it it kind of recontextualized the rest of the ads for the evening in a funny way. And that everything's a Tide ad. I saw so many people talking about that and saying, "Oh, that whatever other commercial that was a Tide ad." You know, it was just it was a commercial that that made people continue to think about it even as other commercials were on. You know, I just thought it was a really cool idea idea and and kind of funny. That was probably my favorite of the commercials.
2: Yeah, I 100% agree about the Tide. The Tide campaign is magnificent. I don't remember which commercial it was, but toward the end of the game, this commercial with all these babies, and it's passing around each baby, and it's some inspirational text about... We're all different, but yet we're all the same and humanity and blah blah blah. But they're all wearing white and we were like, if this ends up with a with him laying there in a white <laughs> shirt and he's like, Tide ad, <laughs> it's the greatest thing I've ever seen. Which they did it, so I was really disappointed. But overall I thought, yeah, the tide but, the tide stuff was really pretty.
0: But cool. then it
1: made you think about Tide. It was a Tide Ad. It Look did. That. That's right. Yeah, it was great.
0: So neither of you was gonna mention the crocodile dundee thing.
1: Oh my gosh, I forgot.
0: Yes.
2: Yeah. I was spoiled on that, honestly, because I had read an article just skimming through a couple of days before about the fact that that was not a, a real movie, that it was just a, a campaign for Australia. So when I saw the trailer, I already knew where it was going. I didn't know how they got there, and I loved it, but I, it was already spoiled for me.
1: Wow. I didn't know that that was public knowledge, because when, yep. the, when the trailer came out, or teaser, whatever it was, uh, came out like two weeks ago, I remember everyone online was, had the same question. Is this a real movie? Like we could all, we all just had a fishy feeling about it, but no, nobody really knew. And so when the trailer came on, I was saying to my wife, I was like, yeah, this is so weird. I don't know what this is for. If it's like a funny or die thing. I don't know what this is. Uh, maybe it's a real movie. And then they ended it. I, I thought it was perfect. I thought it was hilarious and, I thought it was really well done. I, I kind of forgotten about it actually, which I guess isn't a good sign. But uh, <laughs> it was uh, I thought it was really clever and they you know kind of built up to the Super Bowl, which I appreciated.
0: So kudos to Australia on that. Yes,
1: one. the whole country. Yeah, they had
2: have ev- they had evidently the done the research about the last time there was a significant tourism spike. And it was during the and just after the release of the original two Crocodile Dundee films. Huh. And so that is the reason that they decided to make this campaign around the character of Dundee. So it was really, really very cool and, and very wise to have him back, you know, sitting by the bar. It was, it was good.
1: If it was they good, wanted to spike, spot. they should just pay to have a dang movie.
2: Well, and that was the conversation is that uh, from what I read today, this campaign full stop cost them about twenty seven million dollars. That's a movie. Yeah. Right, but the first two movies, collectively, their budget and marketing was $200 million. Oh, so they were like, it's a, it's a better go. investment to go this way.
0: Assuming it works at Assuming all. Assuming
2: it works. That's true.
0: Okay, so... What
2: about you, Josh? Was that your favorite? I
0: was going to say, I guess it's my turn. Well, I'm, first I'm going to mention a couple that you guys didn't hit. Um, not at the top of my list, but kind of going in reverse order. Overall, I was actually pleasantly surprised by this year's Super Bowl ads. The past two three four years have been just really disappointing for me there hasn't been a good super bowl ad season for a while but there were a couple that i thought were really clever this year um in reverse order e-trade had a good ad with um senior citizens being djs and firefighters yes that was good 85 and i want to go home That's yes kind of that was good yep and then <laughs> And then Rocket Mortgage with Jordan Peele explaining things to everybody. Uh, excuse yes. me,
1: that was Keegan-Michael Key, not Oscar oh. nominee <laughs> Jordan Peele.
0: Wait a second. I'm so I'm so backwards on which one of those which ah I know them apart but I actually thought he was the I thought this guy was the get out guy that's no. I just have nope. them mixed up so so
1: Jordan Peel has Oscars Keegan-Michael yes. Key has Rocket Mortgage so that's how you can kind of remember from now. oh why are and,
0: you trying to
2: turn them against each other Daniel they're a team they're still a team
0: and Luther Barack Obama's anger translator
1: yes yes true
0: okay yeah. But, yeah, far and away, the best campaign, as you guys said, was tied. it was It was brilliant. They had that one 30, forty five second spot up front, and then they could completely maintain their momentum with like five second spots throughout the rest of the rest of the game and yeah. keep up keep up everything with a much lower buy. It was just brilliant. brilliant.
2: It was. That's exactly right. That's the first time I can remember anything like that that carried all the way through in a way that outside of just airing more commercials with the same theme. Right. So it was
0: really good. Okay, so I think that about does it for the game, right? Was there anything else?
1: Some outrage uh, against a commercial. Did you guys hear about the whole Dodge ad? Did you hear about this
0: Dodge Ram? For me, it was Dodge and Toyota. Like, the whole time I was sitting there just in disgust like co-opting they're co-opting everything yeah but yeah, yeah the mlk thing was especially bad
1: and and here's the thing i re-watched it because honestly when, I, when it came on i just ignored it if, i mean if it's not a funny commercial i just kind of tuned it out whatever <laughs> so uh i just ignored it so then i heard about the outrage and i was like okay let me go re- re-watch it and the thing is it's a beautiful ad it's it's touching it's, it's this whole idea you know using i mean martin luther king i mean his words are amazing and so there's great imagery going along with it and then there's images of trucks and it's just like it's just so weird that they used that in a truck ad because everything surrounding the trucks is really beautiful if they had it as an ad for i don't even know what, just not trucks but because it, it was it was uh, there was good craft there but yeah weird. it
2: is it is weird because it's on the one hand, it feels very crass to watch that and see all the inserts of, of the trucks with this quote going on. And then on the other hand, it's also championing the words of Martin Luther King Jr. Right, right. And so I'm of two minds about it. I don't think it's an effective ad. I also don't think it's quite worthy of all the outrage either. I agree, but yeah. But that's 2018. Everybody's outraged about everything. It was one of those things where it it, it did, even in my first viewing, it felt like it rubbed me the wrong way a little bit felt a little crass i think
0: yeah. yep it's interesting that they got all the flack and and some of these other ads that did essentially the same thing just without the iconic voice of mlk is toyota yeah. had the whole paralympics thing and i mean yeah. i guess it's great that they support that you, you the, know, the dodge thing was more more out there i guess
1: i think yeah i think it was using using martin luther king's image was misguided yeah,
2: what needed to happen at the end of that is he needed to jump out of the truck and be like, tie dad, and then it would have been fine. <laughs> oh,
0: wow. No? So, no, I'm so, with you on the babies thing, though. That should have been a tie dad. That should have been a tie dad.
1: <laughs> so, uh, uh, real quick, I just realized there was one trailer we didn't talk about uh, that I'm, just, I'm shocked neither of you brought up. The Skyscraper trailer featuring Dwayne The Rock Johnson, our future president.
0: Mm-hmm. See the reason I didn't bring that up Is because I saw that on your Facebook post And I had no recollection of what that actually was So it was, I didn't talk about it, it was
2: And the- because it indirectly leads us to a discussion of
1: San Andreas <laughs> Which we can always talk about <laughs> Professor, it looks like the whole oh, San Andreas Come on I saw that coming Oh my <laughs> god Sorry Daniel <laughs> But that trailer let's, let's Before I critique the trailer I'm going to see it in theaters, and it's going to make $350 million domestic, okay? So it's going gonna, it's gonna to clean uh, house.
2: I don't know about that. But about
1: that. Uh, how terrible was that trailer? It's, it's diehard except really bad, and the rock is missing a leg. That's, that's the movie. It's just so weird.
2: Yeah, it looks weird. It looks like they were trying to get that Die Hard slash Taken kind of vibe, but it, in a PG thirteen rock movie. Uh, if you're going to see a rock movie uh, at this point, I know it's been out forever, but people need to go see Jumanji. Uh, yes. Daniel, did you see
1: Jumanji? Of course, it did. That movie uh, is is the it's, thir- third highest grossing movie Sony Pictures has ever had. Ever. It is so good. Yes, it, it is, is. So
2: much better than it de- deserves to be. It is legitimately clever and funny. And everybody should go see it. And then I see things like Skyscraper, and I know it's going it's to be terrible. He has
1: Skyscraper and
0: Rampage, and those movies look the same. Or as I saw someone on my Facebook feed not long after that aired, um, and now I actually know what he was talking about. Um, he said if they could make a movie, I don't remember the, his exact words, but they could make a movie with The Rock trying to save the last baby unicorn in a baby Bjorn strapped to his chest, and I would see it. Of course. Yeah. that's so. what i'm
1: saying it's gonna make 350 million dollars domestic i promise you
0: yes i mean i i won't see it but thanks for that quote Ben. <laughs> i think i can i can smell what the rock is cooking and it is money <laughs> all right so that is it for the big game even though we said super bowl about 50 times during that segment let's jump right into the thing we've been avoiding and talking around this whole time the cloverfield paradox i'm out you guys have fun
1: i have to be quick whatever you're doing right now stop go to your children right now kiss them hold them for as long as you can that's all there is right now
0: Possible earthquake near the Statue of Liberty.
1: Looks like you should have left town a little bit earlier. Oh Whatever you're doing... Stop. Well, Chad... We talked about the trailer as a trailer already, but Cloverfield Paradox is here. Less than 24 hours ago, we didn't know we were going to be doing this review tonight, uh, which is pretty remarkable. This was a huge surprise from Netflix. The trailer was a little hard to, to do without the text that they're putting on the screen, but uh, I'll read the IMDB description. Orbiting a planet on the brink of war, scientists test a device to solve an energy crisis and end up face-to-face with a dark, alternate reality. The Cloverfield Paradox was originally known as God Particle, and it's been on the books for quite a while. Just a few weeks ago, Paramount sold the movie to Netflix, and then Netflix dropped it on us. And within a couple hours after after the trailer premiered, the movie was available. And so here we are to review it. It's directed by Julius Ona. Uh, it got a great cast with uh, Gugu Mbathra. I believe that's how you pronounce her name. I probably butchered it. David Oyelowo, Daniel Brühl, John Ortiz, Chris O'Dowd, and many others. Chad, is this uh, is this as big of a surprise to you as it is to me?
2: Oh man! So I really don't think that there. You almost have to take this movie and segment my thoughts on how it was released and the goings on yeah. that went went on behind the scenes, and then divorce that from the from my review of the movie. Oh, for sure itself. So on the one hand, we talked about it a little bit in our at the beginning of the show, but this is maybe as surprised as I have ever been about anything related to a movie. Whoever is behind this at, and I don't want to go into spoilers on my review, but whoever is behind this move at Paramount deserves an immediate raise. <laughs> because <laughs> what, what they essentially did was th- they took a movie that, in my opinion, would have been eviscerated uh, by Rotten Tomatoes, <laughs> And probably by bad word of mouth would have made very little box office. And they were able to circumvent that entire process while at the same time giving Netflix the opportunity for once in their existence to actually market a movie.
1: <laughs> <And> well, so... <laughs> I actually, I disagree with you there, but I'll let you continue. Well,
2: and what I, what I mean by actually marketing a movie is, you know, you have more eyeballs on the Super Bowl than any yes. television event in the world. And so they took advantage of that in a way that I think is – phenomenal just from the standpoint i don't like the fact that they said coming very soon in this teaser i wish they would have just said available after the game because that was what was so mind-blowing about it but i was just blown away with oh my gosh people are my Twitter feed just exploded yeah. with people talking about I'm watching what's happening this movie's dropping right after the the game I'm going to go watch it right away and and myself included because we had no plans obviously to to do this review but I, I stayed up till two in the morning to watch the movie <laughs> and and I, I'm sure thousands of people did as well yeah. I'm sure the numbers because here's the thing that we've learned about Netflix is in my opinion they don't care if the movie's crappy they just want people to watch it mm. and so to me this I mean as is evidence with Bright like they've been changing championing what a huge success Bright was I don't think that movie's terrible but it's not good I saw one funny tweet that said <laughs> that was actually pretty funny it, it said regardless of what you think about the new Cloverfield film one thing is for sure they won't be screaming fairy lives matter <laughs> so that was well, that was pretty funny but I guess the whole point of this because I'm rambling the whole the whole point is that I think the marketing behind this is genius and I think in particular because this movie spoiler alert we'll get into it but this movie is not good It is really a coup for both entities because Paramount is able to financially probably not make what they hoped to have made. But this movie, I'm just guessing, would have been a financial disaster uh, if they had released it wide. And so Netflix gets a big win because they get people talking about the service and wanting to subscribe. And I'm sure the eyeballs on this thing were significant. So... Yeah. You know, that's that's my thoughts on it. What did, what did you think? I know I noticed that you, Daniel, you you tweeted during the game something and it kind of blew up on you and it went viral, <laughs> which was pretty cool as well.
1: Yeah, a little bit. I I mean, this was a huge shock. I mean, there you can't tell me that uh, any other marketing ploy you can tell me there were better trailers in the Super Bowl, but you cannot tell me there were any better marketing tactics at the Super Bowl this year. I mean, this is the best. Marketing tactic that i 've seen in a very long time, probably since ten Cloverfield Lane I mean this is brilliant it agreed. is absolutely brilliant and brilliant i 'm going to echo pretty much everything you said. I agreed with everything uh, just about because uh, it's smart from on paramount's side because they save a few bucks not having to shout out their own marketing costs on this one or and sending it to theaters and doing all that and that would be a huge a huge uh, financial ordeal, and they would not recoup their costs. Netflix, it's a win for them because they got lots of eyeballs on the movie. Uh, they got lots of cred, too. People are kind of, uh, you know, digging what Netflix is doing here. And they get to do what Netflix does best, Chad. Not market their movies. <laughs> right. Because it was one day. <laughs> it was one day. And now they're done. After today, I see some IMDb ads still. In a week, they'll be done. Uh, and they will we will never see marketing for this movie ever again. Um that's and, true. And so everybody wins except for audiences so let's talk (laughs) about the movie itself so chad you already told us you didn't like this movie why didn't you like this movie so many reasons
2: daniel (laughs) so many reasons first of all let me say one of my favorite things uh, the first time that i saw 10 cloverfield lane was the opening credits where they hit at the beginning of that film and how it interacted with the action that was going on at the beginning of that movie to set things up. I feel like they were trying to do their own version of that in this movie by having the credits kind of come in after what is supposed to be some heavy moment or impactful moment. The problem is in this movie is that very little is impactful or meaningful. This movie is just absolutely littered with cliches and tropes about the myriad movies that we've seen of Lost in Space and the Space Station kinds of films. What made the first two Cloverfield films so good to me? And I think one is good. I think Cloverfield is really good. I think 10 Cloverfield Lane is like a masterpiece compared. I mean, it's just a Hitchcockian kind of out of nowhere, it's just oh, and by the way, it's just a masterfully tense film mm. that happens to be in the universe. Yeah. And I think what they got wrong with this movie is they just decided to explain all of the things in the universe. And as we know, any time that you start explaining the mystery, that is never as fulfilling as. The mystery itself and so for whatever reason I feel like they just decided to throw out what worked in the first two which was interesting premise with a little bit of information just enough to kind of guide the plot and then let the story unfold organically within that and they said let's just take everything all the questions that we asked in these first two and let's use this film to, to quote-unquote connect all the dots and build out this universe and as a result thematically it's not as interesting and then on top of top of that just from a filmmaking standpoint it wasn't very thrilling now there are a couple of moments that I think are, are, are okay and of note that we can talk about in spoilers but in general it, the script is really bad. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of exposition going on. There's a lot of... I mean, they're, at the beginning of, the, of the, the, the opening, like I was talking about, is super clunky. I mean, I get what they were going for with where it opens and then where it cuts to and some time has passed. I, I get what they were going for, but it just didn't work because we're not invested in anything yet. I didn't like the way that it opened, and then it immediately cuts to a rather lengthy like maybe 30 or 40 second shot of them watching tv which is explaining all the stuff that we need to know <laughs> yeah. as the audience and it's just one example of many places where they just it seemed to me that they felt at at a script level they just took the easiest most traditional way out as possible now you're right on this cast is phenomenal this cast is great i mean they're great actors all around but the story is just not up to the caliber of the of the previous two films the execution is not it looks good i mean the cinematography for the most part is good but i think when you you know, to use the J.J. Abrams mystery box thing, I think when you start giving all of the answers and that is your primary function, because I, I I tried to take a step back and say, what is the primary function of this movie? What does it want me to know? What is it trying to tell me? And I don't think it knows. I think it was just kind of a unnecessarily convoluted with the mechanics of the plot and how it gets there. It could have done some cool things with that, but it chooses not to. What happens in the world is not consistent enough. Like one moment, some really weird stuff is happening happening and then we go 30 minutes and everything seems to be okay but they don't explain why things happen the way they do and when and it's just just very complicated anyway all that to say, I just didn't like this movie at all, which is really disappointing, especially considering how much I like the first two. But this movie is just not good, I don't think, in my opinion. I don't know, I, Daniel, I have no idea what, what you thought about it, so you may love it and, and think I'm wrong, but boy, this was a big swing and a miss for me, for sure.
1: You, sir, are not wrong. Um, uh, oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> this, this movie is just, you, you hit all the right notes. I mean, this is a very cliche movie this is one of the most cliche filled movies that i've seen uh it's it's really shocking and especially going along with the way in which netflix announced this which was so surprising and original and game-changing and the movie is the opposite of all of those things there's (laughs) nothing surprising or unique or game-changing and so it, it was it was very disappointing i'm gonna be honest uh, I was super, super excited. It sounds like you were too. I was so excited for this movie uh, after the announcement was made. And I was, I like had adrenaline. I mean, I was like, I've been sick for a few days. And so yesterday I had the flu. And so yesterday was like my first day of feeling decent. And so. I was like, Cloverfield, I'm feeling good. We got Cloverfield coming out. I had a viral tweet going. I'm like, all right, this is great. Like I was in a great mood, ready to just love Cloverfield. And, wah, 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 uh, and it was wah. just not very good. And, but I really did try to convince myself that it was good for a while. Throughout most of the movie, I was I was watching it with such an open mind. Um, my wife and I kept pausing it and, and talking it through. Like, okay, so they did this. What does this mean? How is this gonna you know, connect to Cloverfield? We it took us a long time to watch this movie because we kept talking about it and talking about it. When it was over, I was like, Well, Okay, it, it was okay, but not nearly as the first as, as the other two Cloverfield movies, but th- it was okay. And then I sat down and I, I wrote a review for, for Next Best Picture. Uh, and the more I wrote about this movie, the, the more I was like filled and overcome with how many problems this movie has.
2: So much to choose from.
1: It's so, there's so many. Uh, the, the biggest thing is just how many cliches it has. It hits every single space station cliché. Every single one of them. It doesn't even try to subvert the genre in any way, which was the most surprising thing about it. At least Life, which Life had some had problems, had plenty of problems. It was enjoyable overall, but had problems. But it tried to subvert the genre and surprise you. Yeah, this one just doesn't. It, It, you know, it's it has the the sad video chat home you know reminding us that you're missing your husband back home it has the everybody's getting picked off one by one and that's not a spoiler because it's just you expect it you expect everyone to get picked off one by one.
2: Yeah, there's literally a, sequ- a sequence in this movie or a passage in this movie that consists of the same kind of shot over and over where, without getting into specifics, someone gets in trouble in a different part of the st- space yes. station. They cut to the main bridge and everybody Ugh. runs to them. That happened Ugh. literally like three times. It's so unbelievable.
1: So frustrating. And it also has that same, again, not, this could technically be a spoiler, but it doesn't really matter because you expect it. It has the scene where somebody shuts themselves in a room and everybody else is like, no, no, don't do it. He says, no, I have to sacrifice myself. I mean, it's just, it's just ridiculous. (laughs) I couldn't believe it. So that was the biggest, just biggest shock was how unoriginal this movie was now. I want to say some good things because it is easy to pile on this movie. I want to say some good things about it. You already mentioned the cast; they're great. I, I really have no problems with anybody in this cast. I think they they all do great. I uh, agree, and, and yeah, so they're all they're all great. Uh, there are also some really creative moments despite how unoriginal the the plot and the writing is of this movie There are some really cool moments in this movie. There, it's just filled with WTF moments just throughout There's a there's like three or four moments. where We're just like what just happened and it's really cool like within the first few minutes the Earth freaking disappears, okay? And that was freaking awesome. There are other ones that I'm not going to mention because they are more spoilery than that one. But there are some there are some really cool and creative ideas. It's these space-time glitches that, uh, where things are just going wrong and things aren't as they should be that really surprised me. And I just wish more of the movie had been filled with them because I can only think off the top of my head of maybe three, three or four of those moments that really surprised me. Yeah, uh, and that's
2: what I was talking about earlier when I said the mechanics of the world is sometimes those things happen and then yeah. you go long stretches where they don't, but you yeah. never really get a sense of, you kind of think you know what's causing it, but then at the end something happens where it made me second guess that. So we'll talk about that too because that, that whole thing was confusing to me.
1: And that's the thing. They 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 mistook confusion for intrigue. There were so many times that I really didn't know what was going on. And I was like, that's why I said, we, you know, we kept pausing, we we're like trying to figure okay, she did this, so here's what's happening, and it, it just, it, it was overly convoluted, even for being so straightforward. It was, it was, it was a weird blend of, I know everything that's going to happen, but they're being very confusing in the way that it's happening, so it was, it was just very strange, and, and so the, the one thing we haven't really talked about is, is the way in which it's a Cloverfield movie. We're, we'll talk far more about this in spoilers, but every way in which this ties to being a Cloverfield movie is, so tacked on, so it's such an afterthought. Every single scene with Hamilton's husband is terrible, and it doesn't even connect to the main movie, not even in the slightest. Did you feel that way?
2: Yeah, I feel like, honestly, watching that, it was because they needed a 90- or 100-minute movie. They had to have something else going on somewhere else just to fill out the story. I also think the one moment... Uh, And I'll I'll say this, too. The one moment that actually sort of worked for me was the monologue at the end that she gives. And this isn't a spoiler because it's in the trailers. Hello. When I saw the extended trailer, not the one they showed at Super Bowl, but the one that, that Netflix released right after that, it shows so many major moments, including the entirety of her message where she's looking into the camera. And so without going into spoilers, had I seen that before this movie, I would have been irate. But anyway that move that moment in the watching it worked because it's tying back to what's on earth and it's tying back to her family and so from an emotional standpoint it worked but everything that cuts to on earth of them feels so forced and it it literally feels like we just have to do the things that advance the plot i'm going to drive up to the to the hospital and the hospital will be gone but i'll just be able to drive right up to it and oh look who i found yeah. you know it's just all these very We need this person to find this person so they can go to this place so that they have a reason to talk, etc. The more I think about this movie, because I'm like you, Daniel, when I first left it, I was thinking, okay, this is not the worst thing I've ever seen, and I started trying to rationalize why it was okay because I love this universe so much. But the more that I talk to you about it, and the more that I think about it, the angrier I get because it's really, it's it's almost inexcusable, and I don't understand how the same people could be involved with this cast, and I don't know. Yeah, it's it's rough.
1: Well, the thing is, I do have back knowledge. uh, You know, we I, I read. Movie sites all the time. So I have back knowledge of the movie, and so I guess that's unfair. You know, that, that you can't judge a movie based on the story leading up to it. But this was not a Cloverfield movie. And the same goes for 10 Cloverfield Lane, I should add. But th- they were spec scripts that had no connection to the Cloverfield mo- universe, and then they punched up the script to make it a Cloverfield movie. And Ten Over Your Lane—you couldn't really tell that. The ending, a little bit, but not, not really. It was, it was. It's a fantastic film. This one, every single one of those scenes with the husband is so disconnected from the rest of the plot that I, I think if you cut them out, 100%, only cut out the scenes with her husband and didn't change anything in the rest of the movie, just, just filled in those gaps. I think it would, it, there would be no, you wouldn't even know it was missing. Because it doesn't connect to the to the plot. It's, it's so mind-boggling that it's just out there. And the ending, we'll, we'll talk far more in spoilers, but the ending is just so unsatisfying and doesn't give you what you think it's going to give you. And it just doesn't make any sense. So everything about this movie is just really lame. Uh, there's some really cool creative moments, a great cast, but everything else is just just weirdly bland
2: it is it's and it's it's not only bland it's one of these movies that it, it has callbacks to films like alien and aliens almost literal rip off moments
1: yeah yeah I don't think callbacks I think they're just I mean I think it's just rip off yeah and so (laughs)
2: there's there's inherently no tension in that because you've seen it before and you know what it's almost as if someone made one of those parody movies like they do where except they made a serious version so they put in everything that you've seen before and the things that you would make fun of but then they played them seriously uh, with a great cast and decent production value so it is very, It is very interesting, but I think it's clear to me, and that's why I mentioned at the very beginning, the Paramount people that pulled off this deal <laughs> yeah. deserve a raise because I'm sure as they were doing screenings of this thing and going through, they knew that they had a dud. Maybe this is the new thing for Netflix because I don't want to undersell it. This is so disruptive in the industry. I saw a lot of tweets and articles talking about how they're going to have to start paying attention, whether they want to or not, to this kind of day and date model with streaming. And so maybe Netflix now becomes a repository for some studios that don't, feel good about their film now I don't necessarily think this is a great idea because you could get some movies not get a fair shake and they just get shuttled off to Netflix but then again it's also really cool to be sitting there watching a football game and say hey Cloverfield 3 quote unquote is going to be ready to watch in two hours I mean that's awesome and really disruptive and then completely let down because the film is is so bad. That's
1: the thing. It's like yes, it's disruptive to the studio system. It's disruptive and and really creative. But if if the movies are bad, the movies are bad. I don't care what you're disrupting. So it's it's so it's hard because Netflix feels like they're almost becoming a, a straight to DVD platform now, you know? Right. And so it's just And they
2: don't care. They don't care if the movie's good or bad really as long don't. as you watch it. They don't
1: care. And so that's the thing though. We're gonna stop watching at a certain point. You know what I mean? Um, I think audiences are gonna, with with bright and with this. You know, Mudbound was great. Mudbound was great, and they didn't advertise it. So um, right. it's just it's just so weird. We're we're kind of veering off topic. We're talking about more about Netflix now, but it's just it's just a weird a weird era that we're in. Things are changing so drastically. So it's gonna be interesting to see how that pans out. But we need to talk more about the Cloverfield paradox. So we are gonna dive into spoilers right now
2: the first rule of fight club is you do not talk about fight club
1: well you look nervous is it the scars you want to know how i got them but there's so many places it wouldn't have occurred to a hawk to hide however the reason the Fuhrer has brought me off my Alps
0: in austria and placed me in french cow country today is because it does occur to me because I'm aware of what tremendous feats human beings are capable of once they abandon dignity.
1: In the dream, I knew that he was
0: going on ahead. He's fixing to make a fire somewhere out there, and all that dark, and all that cold. And I knew that whenever I got there, he'd be there. And then I woke up.
1: So, Chad, I want to talk first about our thoughts on the very end of this movie, the way in which it ties into the first Cloverfield fi- film, what did you think about... Two things. What did you think about the ending, just the way it ended the movie? And two, what did you think about the way in which it tied into the first film?
2: So are we talking specifically about the last shot of the film where they come back to Earth? Yes. And they're sc- uh, he's screaming, I didn't want you to send them back, and then we see the Cloverfield creature burst through the clouds? Is yes. that, the, yep. that the deal? I guess my initial reaction is... I was so apathetic at this point um, with where it was going. I almost didn't care what happened. Uh, at the same time, I thought that for people, it just felt really tacked on. It was like, okay, this, this shuttle comes back to Earth. They've made the jump to come back to into their dimension, quote unquote they're coming back to earth her husband is on earth and and they've let him know that they found her and that they've made contact and they're bringing her back and he's so upset and then they come back into into the atmosphere and then we see the cloverfield creature just screaming uh and honestly daniel i just i couldn't get up enough emotion to really care one way or the other i don't as far as how the movie ends without any knowledge tied to the other films you would just be like okay what was that movie that i just watched with the Cloverfield universe established, it just feels tacked on to say, hey, look, don't forget, this is a Cloverfield movie. So yeah. that's 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 how I took it.
1: Well, my problem, I feel very similar, but my problem with it is, uh, correct me if I'm wrong or if I've forgotten, 10 Cloverfield Lane did not have the same creature, right? It was a completely different creature.
2: Yes, well, it was similar. I think they have... I, I, the husband says something to the effect of... I don't want them, you're sending them back here with these things. So, mm. I, you know, I'm giving the credit, probably reading in a little more credit than they're due. But I think the understanding is that with what we have seen in 10 Cloverfield Lane, it expands the creature universe a little bit. So it's not just the one creature. Now, I could be completely wrong, So but that's okay. how I took it.
1: Because after watching 10 Cloverfield Lane, the way I interpreted the universe was that those movies were completely separate. It was just an anthology kind of film series that are just vaguely connected with monsters, and may- maybe that's the wrong interpretation, or I I have no idea. But that's I remember that's my feeling of it. Sure. Um, and well, so, for for ahead. me,
2: I took it as because the ending of that movie is. Kind of the empowering moment for the female protagonist who chooses to quote unquote join the fight on the front lines as she's at that fork in the road, turn left yeah. to go fight and turn right to to save yourself. And so in my mind, the fight was against the creatures that were a part of the Cloverfield invasion, if there is one. Now again. I think that's part of the what makes this series really good is that they don't explicitly tell us what is what, and so we're left to fill in our own blanks. And But that's also what's frustrating about yeah. it when we get an entry like this because it's so poorly done and and there are so many unanswered questions, but in, in a bad way, uh, there's really no right or wrong answer, and that's classic J.J. Abrams. So yeah. you took it as just completely separate anthologies.
1: So with the first two films... It, that's how that's how it took it. Now with this one, it's very clear that they're trying to connect to the first to the first Cloverfield movie, and that's what was frustrating to me. Even if uh, my interpretation of Ten Cloverfield Lane and Cloverfield are wrong, and that it's exactly as you say, this one st- just doesn't make any sense. From I mean, from timeline perspective, I mean, Cloverfield took place in 2007. It was made and took place in 2007. They had flip phones, all that jazz. Here, the monsters attacked in a world where they're like, have all this futuristic equipment and they're 3D printing bagels and all this stuff. Like (laughs) uh, It's like, when are we? When did these monsters, I don't understand what's happening here. And frankly, like you said, now I just don't care. Uh, And it's so tacked on, it's so clear to me that this wasn't a Cloverfield movie, it was just a space station movie, and then they added all these extra scenes and added that ending, and now it's a Cloverfield movie, and it's just so poorly done. And what's frustrating to me is, again, maybe my interpretation of the whole anthology thing is wrong, but if this was an anthology universe where they're just connected vaguely by monsters... That could be done so cool with a space station movie. I mean, you could have monsters wreaking havoc on a space station or or something, but having it be completely disconnected from the movie we're watching, the movie we're watching has nothing to do with monsters. And then, oh, just so happens there are monsters down there. It's just so silly and so dumb.
2: It is, which is why if this was, as you mentioned earlier, Daniel, just kind of a spec script that they tried to, to adapt into a Cloverfield box... How do you get on the list to write scripts this bad, but they still end up at Bad Robot? Right. Because I don't even understand how that's, that's a thing. But to take that a step further, that's what I was referencing when I was talking about how convoluted the plot was specifically. You get these all these lines of dialogues about paradox this and loop this and interdimensional, blah, 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 blah. But it's just all in passing, yeah. and so I think what we're supposed to gather is that just the sheer act of starting this machine has now taken them to taken them to another dimension, that's a mirror dimension, somewhat of their own place, and just the the act of that happening now has caused creatures to appear
0: yeah. on
2: one of them. I, I guess because you're right. Even let's let's go back to life. Let's talk about life again. That movie had some some really, even though I didn't love that movie, it had some genuinely intense and dramatic yeah. questions that it posited. So why couldn't this be very much like 10 Cloverfield Lane, just a self-contained, taught story about things going wrong in space and decisions that they made that then put the creature into Earth, Right? Yeah. Or, or anything, any number of things, because what we end up with now is something that is not effective as the kind of film that it's trying to be, A, and then B, is shoehorned in to make it be a third part of this trilogy now, but that doesn't work. And so as a result, I am less excited for anything Cloverfield 4 so, at this point.
1: Speaking of which, which maybe we should have talked about this before we jumped into spoilers, Cloverfield 4 is already filmed, it's already completed. And it's a World War II set film. No idea what's going to happen with that. Don't know how they're going to release it now. It feels a little odd to go back to a theatrical release, but Hmm. who knows what's going to happen. But I believe the case was very similar. Another, a third now, spec script that was tweaked to be a Cloverfield movie. So just like Netflix may be becoming a, a... you know, dumping ground for straight to DVD releases. Now it's like these spec scripts. The Cloverfield universe is a dumping ground for spec scripts is almost the way it feels, you know, a a script that couldn't land on its own, you know.
2: How crazy would that be if they took this one back to the theater and it was really great and then Cloverfield 5 went back to Netflix and it was really terrible and so people (laughs) just begin to realize if it's on Netflix, it's going to be really bad.
1: And that's the thing, I hope I hope Cloverfield 4 is fantastic because I think this type of universe is so unique and interesting. And I, I'm I really want it to be successful because it could be really cool and different in the film world. You know, we have all these franchises that are that feel very much the same, even if they're enjoyable, uh, they feel very much the same. This is a franchise that feels completely different and doing something surprising, and I want to see more good movies from them. But I just, the Cloverfield Paradox just feels like a lower tier Black Mirror episode. It's just not good enough.
2: Yeah, and I'm going to be honest with you, I don't think it rises to the Black Mirror level. I mean, there's some mm. episodes of Black Mirror that aren't good, but on the whole, Black Mirror is really interesting and tells a lot of uh, very well-told stories. I don't think this even rises to that yeah. level. I think this is just flat out, I hate to say lazy, because again, from a technical standpoint, it looks good. The performances are all like no one. No one feels uh, like they're phoning it in. Every every character feels. Although the oh, I don't have my IMDb open, Daniel, but the Asian character doesn't have as much to do as I wish she yeah. did. But in general, there's just. They're failed at every level by the story and the script. It's just a case of, with with Dan Trachtenberg's 10 Cloverfield Lane, you had a really tight script, and then it was executed in the highest manner possible. The three minutes at the table in 10 Cloverfield Lane are more intense than everything in this movie. And that's 100% true. It really is just disappointing. I know from a spoiler standpoint, I don't want to, you know, pile pile on here because our central protagonist in the movie, Ava Hamilton, the message that she leaves to herself in the other dimension, I thought was really good. And I like the mechanic of she was the cause of it's like a little Manchester by the sea homage there of being responsible for starting a fire in which her children were killed. So I liked that construct and I liked that delivery at the end. But if I'm being honest, I really felt like for the rest of the film, she really didn't have a lot to do. She didn't, she was involved in a lot, but it was all very reactionary where I thought David Oyelowo was phenomenal and was playing the part of the captain. He had some horribly written and on the nose lines, the The things that if you were writing a, write a space captain line, you, yeah. you would write, you know, where he speaks out his motivations to the entire crew with authority. But I, I think her performance is good, but I think her character is really woefully underwritten. If I'm being honest with you,
1: yeah. Oh well, I think I think that's true of, of most of the cast. Honestly, I, you said she's very reactionary. I, I I think the entire movie is just reacting, which gives you very little to root for because you don't know what they are, are needing to do. Um, so I felt that kind of that way about everybody. Well, Chad, you and I are on the same page with this film. Very interesting and captivating release strategy but uh, the opposite of that is the movie So, big bummer all around. Well, this sort of wraps up our Super Bowl reaction episode. This is how us movie nerds react to the Super Bowl, by talking about movies and commercials and not the Super Bowl. So, uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, This has been a great episode. We are going to have bonus content heading your way, reviews of Phantom Thread, some Oscar content. We're excited to get that to you. And then, in just a few short weeks, we will have... Black Panther coming your way. We're very excited. So we will see you next time. Make sure you follow us on social media. We are on Twitter at ScreenersCast and on Facebook, search The Screeners Podcast. We'll see you then. And that's a wrap. You've heard what The Screeners had to say. Now you be the critic. Head over to screenerspodcast.com and let us know what you think. See you next time.